Hi everyone, I'm Millie. And I'm Louise. And today we're going to talk about Netflix's new docuseries, um, Bad Vegan. Um, so I guess just a little overview, we have Sarma Melangalis who decided to create this really high-end vegan restaurant. And so it was really popular at the time. She had Tom Brady, Alec Baldwin, they all went to a restaurant. It was very popular. She had investors um, lining up uh, to give her money and to support her. And then everything started to go downhill when she met this guy named Anthony Strangis on an app. Um, and he slowly kind of wormed her way and wormed his way into her life um, through the business and slowly started to manipulate her um, psychologically. So this kind of um, culminates in him taking almost $2 million from the restaurant and from Sarma and her mother. Um, and there's a big debate over whether Sarma is truly a victim of, like, a cult-like um, mental game that this Anthony player was using on her. Because it went over, went over the course of a few years. Or did she know at some point that she was taking money from the restaurant and was just so in love with him that she was okay with it? Yeah, it's interesting to watch their dynamic throughout the episode kind of evolve because he makes all these promises to her. He's like, oh, um, I'll promise to make your dog immortal. Uh, you love me. Listen to me. I'm going to put you through trials, and uh, you're, it's going to test um, our bond, but we're going to get through this. And he just, it was so strange because he, he never followed through with all those promises, and yet she still continued to um, prove her loyalty for years and years. And, like, the way Anthony would do this a lot of times is he would, he did rope her in slowly at first, and it was, you know, like, he had a big story, like, he was the king of diamonds, and that he was on the run from these people, but then he was also an ex-CIA agent who was, like, couldn't tell her anything she was doing, but she, he works for the government, he's a good guy, but, like, she might be in danger if she stays with him for too long, and then there's just all these stories of, like, him being, like, almost an alien who's, like, not human, and, like, if she proves herself by, like, doing all these things and wiring him money that, like, she'll get to be immortal like him too one day and, like, know all these things. They're lovers from, like, a past life. And, like, it does almost make sense in, like, a cult kind of way where, like, if you're so indoctrinated by these people that, like, you might believe it. But, like, she seems like a really smart woman, and it doesn't necessarily make sense that she would, like, fall for this just because she was lonely. Yeah, she claimed it was love, and then you saw in a lot of their text messages, he would refer to her as, um, TBH, tiny blonde human, and he would be like, he would say that he wasn't human, and it was just, it was just, something wasn't right, and you think being, like, a successful business owner, she would have realized that, um, which kind of goes into some of the other, um, some of the other stories we've heard lately, especially with Anna Delvey, how she deceived, like, all of those wealthy, um, um, just wealthy people, uh, celebrities, and then, um, Elizabeth Holmes with Theranos, um, uh, you know, defrauding investors and that sort of thing. So, I'm just confused. It also, it also, like, begs the question, like, why Netflix decided to make this documentary this year, because this is something that has happened, like, many years ago. It happened in 2018, primarily, and, like, it's interesting that they decided to come out with this at the same time that Inventing Anna and, um, Dropout both came out, 
And it's kind of like, it's just a new genre of like women swindlers. Like, it just happened to be like three stories kind of happen somewhat simultaneously, or is it like Netflix and Hulu playing off of like an audience wanting to see like a pretty woman like being the bad guy? Because in a lot of times, like, the woman's never, like, the bad guy. But even in, like, this one specifically, and I think Dropout and Inventing Anna as well, like, they showcase a woman being a swindler, but then never necessarily blame them for what they did. Like, especially in this documentary, like, with Sarma being the main character, like, in every interview, it's always with Sarma and then someone else. Like, it makes you wonder, like, why are they defending Sarma so much? Mm-hmm. No, I agree, um... Yeah, because Anthony, Anthony is portrayed as the antagonist in this, and I mean he definitely that title suits him because he he did deceive he did um, manipulate her, but in a lot of her interviews she seemed to be defending him and defending what they did, um, so it's just kind of strange to to see because I know with Theranos she was married to this guy and. He got a lot of the blame, um, and with Anna Delvey, uh, I can't remember if she had a male accomplice. I don't think so. But yeah, with a lot of it, it's like Sarma is saying either she didn't realize how manipulative he was, or that like she thought that like another thing with Anthony is so Sarma with this business being very successful, the business was making a lot of money. This um, pure food and wine restaurant. But the issue was she was so in debt from buying out this this buying out this restaurant from a, an old partner of hers that she was actually in debt, so she was paying back all this debt with all the money that was being made. So the business was very successful, but Sarma herself was in a lot of financial insecurity. And one thing Anthony promised her was financial security, and that's the one thing she needed. Like, she literally had everything. She's the gorgeous girl who everyone loves, who Alec Baldwin was hitting on, who... Tom Brady was, like, saying she had the best restaurant ever, like, all these different things, but the one thing she didn't have was financial security, and she didn't, and she was lonely in this time, so Anthony offered, like, the two solutions to that, which would be, like, a companion romantically, but then also this financial security, but the thing that doesn't make sense, if she was so financially insecure, how could she be swindled again and again and again by Anthony saying, if you do these things, and you give me this money, you give me $10,000 today, $20,000 next week, that, like, You'll prove yourself, and then you'll be immortal and rich like me. I don't know how she let herself get to that situation, because she had so much support, especially her employees. They stayed with her even after the, they had one walkout, and then they came back to work for her just because um, they believed in the business, and they believed that she wasn't in the wrong. Um, but she did it to them again, and she stole money from them, uh, I guess with the help of Anthony. But he, we also see that he kind of promised her, he kept mentioning, like, happily ever after, like, this is all for our happily ever after, I love you, he, they were never really in love, it, yeah. And that's really obvious, but, like, they do have, like, actual clips of their phone calls, which is something I haven't seen in a documentary recently, where it's, like, not just someone telling the story, it's, like, the genuine interactions that Sarma would be hearing, and those, I will say, did make it more real, like, make it more understandable that she would, like, kind of be trapped by him. Because he, like, he was a very convincing kind of voice, but also, like, if you, like, ever, I don't know if anyone's ever, like, listened to, like, domestic violence, or, um, it kind of reminds me of, like, that show The Maid, 
where they're talking about how, like, emotional violence can be just as damaging as physical violence against someone when it, in, like, a spousal relationship. And, like, the way that he would say, like, oh, without me, you'd be on the street. Like, without me, you would be nothing. Like, just do this one thing for me. Like, it was gaslighting to the, like, to the extreme. Like, it was, like, if you really loved me, you would do this for me. But it's something that's not good for her. And it's, like, it's very evident that it was an abusive relationship. Like, at the very least, everyone can agree that Sarma was an abusive relationship. The question is, like, why didn't she leave? Or, like, why didn't she find help from the support system that she obviously had at the restaurant? And that's difficult because he did financially restrict her, which is one time of an abusive relationship. He also secluded her um, emotionally and, like, physically. Like, he took her away from that support system, which I think is hard to realize. But, like, they are talking about how he was, like, a CIA agent or whatever, and it, it wasn't safe at home anymore. And then she would be, like, locked away in hotel rooms for a week at a time or sent to Europe to go prove herself on a mission so, like, she was being taken away from that support system. So that, in that sense, it does make sense that she couldn't reach out or she, like, didn't feel that she was able to. But, like, again, it still comes back to the point. Like, at some point, you realize you giving him money is not giving you anything. Like, how do you not... It sounds weird, but, like, how could you not figure it out? And it wasn't just happening to her. It was also happening to her mom. I'm not sure how her mom got roped into it, um... They somehow, uh, Anthony got her email and her mom, like, gave him over $400,000 with money. Um, but going back, I, it's just so strange how, like, she, she had so many people around her. She had the homeless guy who at the end was like, who made a comment, he said, um, if I had known all this, if there was one thing I could change, I would go back and put Anthony in a body bag. Um, and then going back to the point, like, how couldn't she, um, how didn't she realize this sooner? Um, Anthony had at least three different names throughout the whole show. He started with Shane, um, and then his real name is Anthony Strangest, and then at the end his name was, like, Cliff. Cliff or something strange like that. Um, so I don't know how she continued to believe him after that, and then after figuring out that it happened to another woman, um, he had a family before he met Sarma, so that brings into question, like, how many other women has he done this to, or will continue to do, because he's out there, like, I think he's off of probation, or if he's still on probation, but, um, he's not in jail. He definitely has the power to do this again, which is a little scary, and then, like, another part is, like, so she ended up being on the run with him because he had taken all this money from her. And then one thing we haven't mentioned yet is he's actually uh, addicted to gambling. So that's where all this money was going. So if you're dating this man and you're with this man 24-7 and then you're on the run with him and you're just going from casino to casino to casino, at this point, you know you're on the run and you also know that he has a problem it has nothing to do with him being this immortal overlord that can make you rich and famous forever. Like, you realize he has a gambling addiction. He's taking your money because he wants to gamble. And, like, she even said, like, oh, yeah, I realize that we we're going in a circle just going from casino to casino. And then Netflix, I feel like, didn't do an amazing job of, like, asking as leading of a question as they could have. Like, they kind of giving her softballs the whole time. But then, like, they do get her to admit that, like, 
she had covered the identifiable tattoo on her shoulder. Like, she was using a fake name anytime she talked to someone. Like, all these things, sure, you could say, oh, it was, um, you know, Anthony's fault that this didn't work, or, like, all these different things. But at some point, like, Sarma knew she was on the run. And then she claims, oh, I didn't even know. And, like, that's the part where, like, it kind of turned into, like, an unreliable narrator sort of thing. Where, like, is Sarma really this victim? Or did she really know at this point? She even mentioned, I know there was one time they were at a gas station. She was like, I could have run away. I could have taken the car and just left him. But she didn't. Um, I don't know why she didn't leave him. Because she had the perfect opportunity to get away. I think it had something to do with that psychological manipulation and I mean like yeah Anthony was abusive like and that was like I said like it was very evident that he was definitely an, an abuser like she was definitely a victim in that sense but did she know about the financial sense is kind of the question but when it comes to like the abuse like um he had said all these things like I'm a CIA agent I have to have like all of your bank passwords and at one point, he was moving the money on his own. And that makes sense. Like, I understand you not noticing that. But also, he asked for all her bank passwords and then said, like, oh, this is my assistant or, like, this is a partner of mine. You can talk to Will about all these things and he will make sure that everyone's safe and, like, when I'm out of town, he'll take care of you. Um, but Sorman never met Will. And then at some point, a few years into this whole scheme, she starts realizing that... Anthony knows things that she didn't tell Anthony. He knows things that she told Will. And then she's like, okay, so maybe Will is, like, kind of going behind my back, but I don't know. Like, Will... And Will's always a person to kind of, like, be like, you know he loves you, Sarma. Just, like, stick with him for a little bit longer. Like, I'm not going to make you do anything. He was kind of a good cop, bad cop, where Will was the good cop and Anthony was the bad cop. So anytime Anthony made her mad, she would go talk to Will and Will would be like, but it's okay, like, he loves you, you know, it's coming out of, like, a good place, like, and Sarma would, Will was kind of, like, Sarma's confidant, like, anything that she couldn't tell Anthony, but she was kind of unsure about his, like, actual thoughts, or, like, what his true intentions were, she would tell Will, and she comes to find out, Will doesn't exist, Will is Anthony just on another account, and that is something that I think would be so, so hard to be Sarma, like, realizing that, like, None of it was really, none of it was real. Because if Will's not real, then Anthony's not real because Anthony is the one who told her about that Will was, like, his best friend or his partner or whatever he was. Like, that means, like, the love that they pretended to have or Will claimed to see in Anthony, like, none of it was real. It was just all just Anthony using her time and time again. And now Anthony has everything. He, if he sent her on a mission or a trial, he'd be like, oh, you have to wire me two hundred thousand dollars right now and she says no he could just go into her bank account and take that money himself um but we also see this um like faking faking your identity with one of the investors jeffrey chotero i butchered his last name but i remember he and sarma were talking about like flying to miami or something to meet with this um I don't know if it was an investor or someone who would help their financial situation, but yeah. I know that they rescheduled at least five times, and he never showed. And, they and Sarma's the one telling these lies. That's an important part. She's like, no, he's actually a good guy. Like, he got, we vetted him through all these different things. So I think he's supposed to be buying the restaurant. 
and like we vetted him through all these things like he's a definitely good guy and then i think is his name jeffrey jeffrey yeah, yeah jeffrey asked sarma she's like sarma is this guy real and she admitted he wasn't she admitted that it was anthony mm-hmm. so like as much as sarma's being used by anthony sarma's using other people so, like, and you could say it was that puppy love or that, like, kind of cultish adoration of her abuser, but, like, she was hurting people just as much as Anthony was hurting her. Mm-hmm. And I'm surprised Jeffrey stayed loyal to her for so long, especially after she stole so much of his money, but then I'm glad at the end we see he was asked to testify on her behalf, and he declined, um, and I think that was good because she is guilty of being an accomplice and um, taking all this money from people. We see with everything that went on, um, I think both parties were at fault, both Sarma and Anthony, and I think Netflix kind of makes her out to be, or makes Sarma out to be, um, the victim in all this, and I think they do a poor job of really, um, really understanding how large of a role she had in this whole scheme. Um, and that's still something that I don't understand, 